This is Just Allen for RadioKingston.org. And today on Conversations, we have Diana Lopez, and she works for Nobody Leaves the Mid-Hudson, and she's an organizer uh, for that group. And uh, let me have Diana tell us a little about herself. She does come from Mexico many, many years ago, and she lives in the Kingston area. Good morning. Good morning, Alan. Thank Tell, you for having me today here. My my pleasure, really. I'm so glad you made the time to come in for our conversation. Uh, tell me a little about your early life. You said you came from Mexico when you were very young. Uh, yes, um, I came uh, at the age of three. Uh, my mom was already here with my um, young sister. She was uh, one year old. And um, I came with my grandmother. I had stayed back in Mexico with my grandmother and... Uh, at the age of three, I came with her. She brought me here. Um, and since then, I've been here. I've never gone back to Mexico. Um, and I've been living in Kingston for 23 years. Did you speak English when you came to the United States? No. No, I didn't. Um, I started um, kindergarten when I... Well, actually, pre-K when I was um, four. And um, at that moment, it was, you know, very, very hard because... I didn't know what they were saying to me. <laughs> right. I didn't understand anything. And um, but as they say, you know, children learn very fast. And um, once I got to uh, kindergarten, I got a little bit more, you know, under be able to understand. And then um, in first grade, I was able to already um, speak English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and do, do your parents speak English as well as Spanish? Uh, my parents, uh, they understand English a lot. Um, they speak a little bit. Um, they say that um, they're afraid to speak it because then they think that um, they won't understand what they're saying. Uh. But I think they, they speak good English. Um, they just don't use it that much. And what part of Mexico did you come from? Uh, Oaxaca, Mexico. Oh, Oaxaca. Yeah. Famous. It's a famous place. Yes. Uh, they have big festivals there, I believe, in the summertime. Yeah, yeah, in August. In August, um, not too long ago, they had, um, yeah, they, they have a lot of, of, of festivals over there. And I've never been there, but I've heard that they're really, they're really good. You haven't been to a festival, but in uh, Oaxaca, the area is similar to uh, the Catskill Mountains, is it? It seems like it is. Um, I've never been to Mexico. Oh. Um, ever since I came to this country, I've never left. So you don't remember? I, d- I don't remember. Um, I, I, I really don't know how it looks. No. No. You have no uh, memory yeah. that was uh, too long ago. Yeah. So now you came here and you went up through a grade school in Kingston? Uh, yes. I attended um, Edson Elementary School. Um, and then I went to um, J. Watson Valley Middle School, and I attended the Kingston High School. Um, I did not um, graduate the high school. I dropped out when I was in um, 11th grade. Um, but a um, couple years later, I went back to get my GED, and um, I was able to pass that. Oh, good. Good yeah. for you. And then uh, how did you get into... Uh, organizing Nobody Leaves the Mid-Hudson. Is that an organization that you started? 
Um, I yeah, well, I didn't um start it. Our the founders were um Jonathan Bix, who is our executive director now, uh, with um Caitlin and um Alfredo and um Ignacio. Um, it's it really all started really um last year. Uh, when I met them, uh, I trained. I met um Ignacio and Alfredo. They were doing a training here in Kingston at the um, Kingston Library. And I was a former um, health promoter for Planned Parenthood. So Planned Parenthood um, sent me to that training. And that's where I met them. And after those um, three days, of, uh, after the three um, sessions of training, um, I was very, very like, like, wow, like, this like finally I, I found somebody that is like you know what you need to speak up you need to really advocate you need to really say what you feel what what you want what your vision is um and since then I became a member of nobody leaves me Hudson um and then I became a member leader um I was a I was a MC for a rally that we did um here in Kingston uh, around May of last year um, for families belong together when they were um, separating um, children in the border from their parents um, and since then you know I was very I was very active with them we started doing um, house meetings here in Kingston um, and talk really talk about the necessities of the community and um, so that's how that's how it started and um and then after that you know they were like do you want to be our community organizer for kingston and i was like i i, I was like yeah <laughs> i i would love to be a community organizer well tell us what a community organizer actually does mm, a community organizer um we we try to um build um relationships with uh with people that we meet um to have members our members um we try to send them to um trainings if there's if they're available to go to certain trainings they can go um and we we do outreach you know to get the word out there uh we also organize events if we have events that we want to um do um, like tonight, we have um, in Warwick, we have a forum for green light um, and municipal IDs. Um, and we've had forums in Newburgh and um, we had our grand opening um, last year here in Kingston around September, the end of September. Um, so it's really, um, you know, building relationship with people and um, really sharing our visions together on uh, how to make our community better. Well, tell us tell us about uh, Mid-Hudson's vision. Uh, what would they like to see happen uh, in the community? Well, um, we really talk about a lot of the oppression that we, we, we go through, um, discrimination, racism. And, I mean, our visions are, you know, really... Um, having you know healthcare for everybody. Um, we're working on restoring access to driver's license for undocumented, um, which is very um, necessary in in our state. Um, and really, how to fight the oppression, the system of, of oppressions that are not built for us. Uh, uh, do you find in Kingston that there is a lot of uh, racial uh, tension? 
Um, back from what I recall, um, there wasn't that much before um, our new administration came. Are you talking about the Trump administration? Yes. Um, I feel like that gave a lot of um, um, courage to people to really show more racism and discrimination. But from all the years I recall, there wasn't that much around in Kingston. Kingston seems to be a pretty liberal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, besides, you know, those people, I mean, uh, Kingston is is good city. I mean, you know, our um, our mayor, you know, that's Mr. Steve Noble. Yeah. Um, he passed the um, sanctuary city um, resolution and, you know, um, helped us pass the municipal ID program. So there, it's a very welcoming city. Um, I just. Uh, yeah. Well, h- how are they making out on the uh, IDs for uh, driver's licenses? Uh, you've been working on that for a while. Is that moving forward? Uh, yes, um, the green light campaign. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, restoring access to driver's license for undocumented. And as how we say, you know, we're not asking for something new that used to um, be possible uh, before 9-11. But after 9-11, they took them away. Um, and uh, right now, um, we, there, there was a, a meeting with Mr. Carl Hasty and um, Crespo. There, he's a bill sponsor. Um, and I think they're going to put it up for vote in the assembly because they know that there's enough votes for it to pass and then they will be moved on to the Senate. Um, and in the Senate we have um, 20, about 25 um, sponsors. We just need, and we need 32. So we're kind of close there, but we're working with, um, well, who we need right now are the Long Island um, senators. To uh, vote uh, positively. Yeah, to sponsor the bill. Mm-hmm. And now let's say that that bill does pass. What would be your next uh, uh, priority for your group? Um, our next priority, uh, well, we have that. And then we also have the municipal ID. Um, and that's going to be um, start implemented in, I believe, June. There's not a specific date, but um, we um, we know that it's going to be in June. Um, they have the mach- the equipment everything but you, as how they say you know uh the work never ends our vision never ends so our next uh vision we're trying to come all together and um really make that another like a big goal you know but we there's so many other things that we would like but we just want to kind of like prioritize what's more important for but the name name the list of give us a list of things that you feel your organization would like to accomplish over the next period of time? Um, one of them is housing. Um, because right now, um, a lot of the places are are asking for um, credit checks and um, first, um, last, and um, deposits. You mean the Se- first month's rent, last month's mm-hmm. rent, and a month's security? Yeah. And um, just with the the application, um, a lot of people are not able to to fill them out because they can't do you know background check or credit check. Um, so there's a lot of limitation on that. 
of them getting a, a good uh, apartment, you know, a decent apartment at least. Do you think there are enough uh, rental properties in the Kingston area to accommodate the amount of people who want uh, a rental? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I really don't. So is your organization trying to find housing to build housing or to put up more places for rent yeah and also um with with that we're trying to you know do um, rent control um and also for as as landlords to have you know responsibilities and be accountable but also for for tenants to you know also have responsibilities but also have rights um, because a lot of our members are living in really apartments that are not very like um, suitable for somebody to live in there, but they have nowhere else to go, so they have to really s stay there. Um, well, how would you correct a problem like this? How do you how do you get Kingston to make more affordable housing? Um, well, we've been. Um, you know trying to come up with a a, a proposal or, or a plan so it's it's in the works still for that um but hopefully it's like maybe fixing up a little like having the landlords fix up the apartments they have that are not suitable or are not you know um in conditions for someone to live and then renting it to you know to and but also not because now for, with the application rental, there's a $50 fee just to apply. And, I mean, it's it's just... I, I never before I had seen about them. I, we've been here for 23 years. My parents were like, you know, oh, we want the apartment. Here's the security deposit and here's the key. There wasn't first month, last month, um, you know, application process. You th Do you think that <coughs> landlords are making it more difficult for non-documented uh, uh, people? Um, I, w I would think so, um, but I just feel, because there are some, in some conditions that, and because I've seen this, we've seen, we've gone to see apartments that we would want to rent, and the prior tenants, like, you know, left everything. So they 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 left it like kind of like destroyed. So that's when they they're like, well, we try to rent it to people who are gonna take care of it. But if they don't take care of it, it also takes money from them to fix it up. And then for someone else to come and also not take care of it, it's you know it's just go like a uh, uh, cycle. And then they're like, well, we need something that we know that we'll get at least some of the money back that we're gonna fix up again. So I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. Do you think the city of Kingston uh, should actually make affordable housing, provide affordable housing? Yeah, I think they should provide more um, affordable housing here. Um, I mean, there are other, there's so, so many empty like lots and properties that they could probably fix up and, and rent to, you know, people and yeah what what is what do you feel the uh, biggest problem for non-documented uh, people uh, what is the major problem that they face when they come to Kingston 
the major problem they face is um find a place to live yeah find a place to live um and then i mean because you know there's um restaurants or so the language they find they could easily find somebody else that can um speak the language they speak and you know be able to um so the language sometimes can be a barrier not but um it's mostly like where to live at uh, well is is it and to work ah so it's jobs and living yeah. which is the main problem mm -hmm. uh do you find the undocumented situation getting worse in kingston are there just too many people coming to kingston where it, there is just not enough work or is there plenty of work for people in a sanctuary uh, city um as in work um i mean the undocumented population is growing um it's it's growing a lot um and i just there the new people that are coming in um they go to a job and um you know because they want to work so so much that they accept whatever they they offer so if in a in a, if in a um a restaurant or a place they have a dishwasher where they're paying them like that dishwasher probably like 10 11 dollars the hour and somebody that just arrived comes and asks for a job and they offer them like eight or nine dollars that person is going to accept it because they want the job so then they rather pay that new person less than the um dishwasher that they already have and so then they they like you know fire that other dishwasher and they have that so it's that's what we've been seeing right now where they come and you know they're like oh i want to work and they're like okay do you want this much money and they say yes like you know any money for them is is good so then they fire the other person and then the other person stays without a job instead of actually making you know another space for the other person to um work for them or help them out but yeah a lot of people feel that non-documented uh, immigrants are taking work away from the American people. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure that uh, most Americans want to pick fruit or wash dishes or do some of the work that uh, non-documented workers want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, not a lot of people want to uh, clean bathrooms. Not a lot of people want to make beds. Um, not a lot of people want to clean tables, mop floors, you know, take out garbage. And that's, so that's, you know, our our people do any kind of work. So there, it, it really doesn't matter what work we do as long as we have a job and someone, so, like so, some income to sustain our family. And so now your group uh, is having demonstrations and uh, meetings. Uh, what what does your constituency feel? Do they feel they're moving in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, because we we try to have um, one on ones with them and ask them, you know, how what um, how they think they have grown, how, and a lot of them have have grown a lot. Um, we have uh, people who were so shy to even speak up that now they 
are doing um, testimony um, hearings in Albany. Um, we have people that are, were afraid of um, going to Albany to um, uh, a rally or a march that are now very um, eager to go because they know that, you know, n people tell them a lot of stories that ICE is going to be there, that they're, they already have a, a plan that they're going to, but, you know, they, they trust us. And we know that we won't take them. They know that we won't take them somewhere where we put them at risk. Well, there is no way to know, really. Um, do you find that uh, ICE has been going through Kingston and taking people out of Kingston? Uh, well, we just had a, um, a case, like, probably like three weeks ago, four, like a month ago, um, where ICE was in Kingston, and they were going, like, around 5, 6 a.m., going to people's houses, looking for people. And um, they they did make one arrest um, on Elmander Street, um, but from since then we haven't heard anything more about ICE activity here in Kingston. But yeah, I mean they it's they've becoming more and more, you know. Well, what is the sanctuary city uh, designation? What does that do for people? Does that help them in some way? Um, it, it does, I mean, with them just knowing that they could probably get some, some help, but just, and also it has a lot to do with the people not knowing that they have rights. Um, I think that's most important. And I mean, they feel safe because they know Kingston is a sanctuary city, but they also, there's more they could do them themselves if they knew that they have rights. Tell us what they could do themselves if they knew they had rights. Well, um, <coughs> this actually happened. Um, they went to a house and that person knew that they didn't have to open the door. So um, they didn't open the door um, and and they left. They they left. They w they didn't you know ask any other question. Nothing. And in another case that same day, the person didn't know that they had rights. So they opened the door. They they took his fingerprints. They were actually looking for his brother, but they took his fingerprints. And I I guess he's in a in a process or something. They didn't take him. But like if he knew that he had rights, they should have not taken his fingerprints because they're not allowed to do that. Oh, he could have said that. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. do you print up a actual sheet of rights that people can uh, zero in on? Yeah, we we've been sharing it on social media as much as we can, and there's going to be an event tonight. Actually, of Know Your Rights event at five p.m. at the Citizen Action. Yes, but this this is a podcast, so nobody will know no. uh, about that. But. Y you could tell us uh, your Facebook account or your whatever account or website that you have so people who are interested in what you say and mm -hmm. your program, uh, they could uh, find out through uh, social media. Yeah. Tell us some of those things, please. Um, yeah, on Facebook, where Nobody Leaves Me Hudson, um, and uh, we are also on Twitter and Instagram. As nobody leaves Mid Hudson, um, we have offices um, in Kingston, in Middletown. Where in Kingston? Do you have addresses? Yes, in Kingston, it's at thirteen uh, Grand Street, 
Um, and in Poughkeepsie, it's um, 25 North Hamilton um, Street and the, in the um, Family Partnership Center. Uh, Middletown, it's 5 East Main Street. Um, and soon we will have another office in Newburgh. Uh, we're, we're looking for a location. Um, so, yeah, that's in the process as well. Are those offices opened every day? Um, we we don't really have set hours for them because we are all over the place. Uh, but we tried as much to be there um, during the day or in the evening. We try to be there at least a couple hours um, or sometimes a couple days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they can do um, my email is... Diana at org, or they can um, reach me at my phone number um, 845-443-5285. Oh, that's very good. So they could call to find out if somebody's in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these offices, when uh, people man the office, they tell people what they can do, what their rights are. Uh, what's going on with your organization. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, as I said in the prior, you know, they called us and uh, we called the um, Ulster Immigration Defense Network. They have a, a rapid response team in case of ICE being in Kingston. So we, we contact them and, um, you know, they send the people out to wherever ICE is. Um, so that's how we try to, uh, you know, work. We don't give services, but we try to work as much to help our our community, our people. And right? to direct them to mm-hmm. services if they need help. Yep. And how does your community feel about uh, the policies now? Do, you, do do people who are non-documented feel that uh, the uh, political scene is being too rough on them at this moment? Um, our people are not real... Um, they really don't know how the politics work here. So that's what we also try to kind of like, you know, um, teach them how to, you know, pass a bill, how to um, pass a resolution, who is in, in the Senate, who is in the Assembly, what do we need to do. We, we're also trying to teach them that because they don't, they don't have a lot of knowledge about that. But they feel like, yeah, you know, it's... They and they've said it like it's like we're we're really the target right now. So, uh, what would happen if somebody they do if your group does learn about the political nature of how things work, they don't have a vote though. Mm-hmm. So, how do they actually make a difference? How do uh, non-documented people actually get a voice? Well, most of our uh, um, members already have um, children that can vote. Um, and, um, you know, they have family, friends that they can vote. Um, so what they tell them, what they do is, you know, encourage those people that are not voting to actually vote and really, like, you know, kind of like be like, um, like voting for them, you know, like representing us okay Mm -hmm. so you network with people who can vote even the people who can't vote know people Mm -hmm. who can vote so your group is encouraging Mm -hmm. people who can vote to go out and vote yeah 
And uh, that must be a very big campaign now uh, to get people to vote to change the political nature. Yeah, and like they, um, they, you know, they do it in their in their um, in their work. They wh- wherever they can, they have a possibility to tell one so tell someone somebody like please vote. They they do it, you know, because it's it's very important. Um, Actually, my my brother he's turning eighteen um, next March, so he's already you know ready to to vote, and I'm like yeah you 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 need to vote. My other sister also, um she just turned eighteen, so she's gonna start voting. Are they so they're citizens of the uh, United States? Yes, they've they become are citizens, citizens. Yeah. and they they've been here also for twenty three years. Uh, they were born here. Oh, they were yeah, born here, yeah. so they're natural citizens. Yeah. yeah, they were. They were born here. Um, I'm the oldest of um, seven. Wow. And uh, me and my uh, my second sister are uh, the only ones that were born in Mexico, and but then the other five were all born here. So, in your family alone, there must be a big pull for uh, the um, Obama era DACA plan. Uh, I- do you have any thoughts on that? Um, about DACA? Uh, well, about uh, non, uh, you know, children that are born here, mm-hmm. that they should have a path uh, to citis- to be citizens. Th- even though they're born here, they do become citizens, but their parents now, uh, some of them are undocumented. Mm-hmm. And also young children that were brought here uh, when they were very young, maybe a year or six months old, who had no uh, say in the matter, uh, they would like a path to citizenship and to become legal citizens. Yeah. Uh, does your group work toward that? For Is that something uh, that your group works to uh, alleviate the problem of people that were non-documented when they come here? Yeah, I mean, we tr- we did try to talk about you know everything that um, we think would make a difference, and um, yeah, that's one of the things have that have come up about you know the the path to becoming citizens because the path is not easy. It takes years. It takes so many so much money. Well, tell us tell us about that. Tell us about how. Uh, tell us right from the beginning uh, how somebody would start that process and how much it might cost and how many years it might take. The cost is around um, to well to start the process. Um, you have to have a consultation with the lawyer, and they um, they ask you questions um, and and based on those questions, they tell you if you. M- may be eligible to become a citizens or not you know because of either you have um either if you were arrested or in jail the, all those things come up in and seeing if you are able to um a- apply for um s- first green card because that's the first thing you can get um and um if you do then it it costs around thirty forty thousand dollars to become like that um, to do the application process for the lawyer fees for and time, oh, it could take from from five to twenty years. Um, I myself have had a um, have an uncle that he t- it took him um, about 
20 years to get his um, green card. Wow. 20 years. And he paid his taxes. He had a good job. He had, I mean, he never got in trouble. He uh, he had children that were born here. Um, and yeah, and it, it still took him a long time. So sometimes when I see, you know, on, on social media, when they're like, oh, why, why can't they just, you know, become legal or become citizens and they'll have all the rights. And it's not an easy path. Oh, very difficult. Yeah. And it sounds very expensive. Yep. Yeah. So tell me now, why did you name uh, your organization Nobody Leaves the Mid-Hudson? <laughs> um, it is. Actually, because the organization started uh, in 2012, and um, it began with um, they started working on um, evictions in Poughkeepsie. Um, so that's how it became that, you know, nobody leaves Manhattan, so nobody was getting um, evicted or... Um, and then after that, they started working um, with poli changing policies of um, s with Central Hudson because they were shutting off um, their um, services to people of color, of low income. Um, so they Ju just randomly or for non-payment of their facilities. Um, well, it wasn't um, not I mean non-payment, but they wouldn't give them, you know, like extensions or agreements. They would just like shut it off. And um, so they changed some policies there. They were able to, you know, um, and um, I, I mean, that's how nobody leaves Manhattan is that nobody leaves Manhattan. Uh, did, did the organization uh, correct that problem of uh, them shutting off gas and electric? Um, yes, they, um, as how I said, they, they made um, policy changes uh, with Central Hudson and Central Hudson agreed to them. Um, I myself still have to learn a little bit more about that because um, I just started with them last year. But yeah, that's what I've, I have um, um, heard and, you know, been told about. Do do you have attorneys that work on your in your organization? Uh we don't have attorneys. Yeah, we don't. Um it's just um right now our staff size is um seven of us. Um our executive directors, um three community organizers and um our program um associates um and um two volunteer organizers and um one where there's one starting um soon so then there'll be three how do you finance all of these offices and all of the things that you do we have an incredible incredible fundraising team um we have fundraising leaders um there's actually going to be a fundraising drive for um this summer and um they already have like around 300 um fundraising team um fundraising members that will be helping us raise money and um the goal will be uh like around a hundred and fifty thousand dollars um so yeah i mean our fundraising team is so great and they fundraise uh just from the general community or do they seek funds from uh, large corporations um we uh we d we from what I from what I know, um, we get uh, grants 
and then fundraising and then we have uh donations uh we we pass the hat our member meetings and that's where some of the donations come into as well um but as of now that's the um the places where we get our money from and how many members do you have in your organization uh, members including Ulster County, Dutchess County, and Orange County right now, I could say it's probably like a thousand and so. Um, yeah. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. A thousand is a good number to build on. Yeah. So what else would you like to tell uh, our audience today? How can they be more welcoming to non-documented people and how can things uh, get better for all of us in the Mid-Hudson area? Yeah, Uh, well, to really is just, you know, um, really be in support, in support of either events or, um, you know, also passing the word to other friends um, and just really they could also you know advocate for us because you know they they are they're voters they are so just how how we said getting out to vote that's a that's a really good way to to help us out do you have anything a last message that you would like to tell our audience that um well our la- my my last message would be um thinking I want to thank everyone that you know is always supporting us in this in this work and in every day we have a lot of um, you know allies here and I want to thank them for their for their support. Well, thank you very very much mm-hmm. for coming on conversations today, and uh, we're going to give you as much support as we can. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. And um, as I said, you know where how to reach me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.